Well, hey, we're going to continue in the, our, our series on the book of Acts, and um, hopefully you've, you've been keeping up with us. We're, we're giving you paper notes, paper Bibles. Come on, let me see your Bible this morning. Anybody got a Bible Bible? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we're so radical, we don't bring digital anymore. <clears throat> Some of you. No, I'm joking. Uh, but we're going to continue with Acts today, and I want to talk to you about one of your favorite topics, suffering. <laughs> How many of you would say, I like to suffer? Show of hands. One. One likes to suffer. <laughs> two. Two likes to suffer. Okay, she was in the first service. She knows why. <laughs> so you, you, got a, you got an advantage. So the title of my message today is Worthy to Suffer. I, I plan to flip your mind about suffering. I want to change your mind today. And I want to, I want to help you see some things that we find in the book of Acts and I want us to learn from, from this about suffering today. Suffering's definition is to bear or to feel what is painful, disagreeable, or distressing, either in the body, the mind, or sometimes in the emotions. It also means to endure, to allow, to undergo, or to sustain, suffer. To feel or bear what is painful, disagreeable, or distressing. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. One of the fruits that the Holy Spirit produces in you is the fruit called long-suffering. How many of you like that fruit? You say, that fruit's a little bitter, Pastor. It ain't quite ripe yet. It's, it's long-suffering. Like if suffering wasn't bad enough, the Holy Spirit produces long suffering. I'm like, can I get some short suffering? Come on, somebody. Just so can, can I just exchange this fruit for some other? Can I make a substitution? Another word for long suffering could easily be the word endurance. Long suffering's definition is bearing injuries or provocation for a long time, long endurance. Hmm. You see, we want to be sprinters when it comes to suffering. We want to hurry up and sprint through it, right? But God's building us to be long-distance runners, not sprinters, because he does something in our suffering. Hmm. And so I want to clear some of this up today. If you're a Christian, you're going to suffer. Either you have, you are, or you will. Welcome to the family called Suffering. <laughs> Glad you joined the family. Glad your name's written in the book. But you will suffer sooner or later just for being a Christian. But before we move on, I want to I ask a couple of questions to create some clarity this morning. Are you suffering or have you suffered recently? If so, why? Why did you suffer? Because what I'm going to show you today is not all suffering is for Christ. Some suffering is based on our decisions. Others' decisions are the fallen world that we live in. You're suffering at the gas pump right now because of your president. That's because of the world we live in. That's not suffering for Christ. That's suffering because we live in a fallen world. There's a difference in suffering. So the question I want to ask again is why are you suffering? 
I hated that you're suffering, but why are you suffering? You see, I was suffering Thursday afternoon. Come on, somebody. God put me in a family that can cook. Well, he blessed them with a man who can eat, right? Because you can cook, but if you ain't got nobody to eat it, it don't matter how good you cook it. Well, I was suffering Thursday afternoon. That wasn't suffering for Christ. That was suffering for me, right? Because I had this urge inside of me to get some more of that fried turkey. Come on, somebody. Anyway, sorry, I snapped back. <laughs> Why are you suffering? Is it for your own decision, somebody else's decisions, or because you live in a fallen world? Or are you really suffering for Christ? Let me show you. I want to wrap up chapter 5 in Acts today. We're going to skip through chapter 6. Chapter 6 is the story of Stephen. I wish I could spend more time on that. I just feel like I need to skip through that. We're going to catch Stephen at the end of chapter 7 and then the beginning, the very beginning of chapter 8. So we're going to jump a couple of chapters today. <clears throat> so I want to start and wrap up chapter 5. You remember Peter and John had already been arrested, right, and warned not to preach Jesus ever again. Yet as soon as they left, they started preaching Jesus again. They got arrested again. This time they got beaten. They got whipped. So the enemy or the religious folks are, are amping up the punishment for preaching Jesus. Just because the enemy's amping up the punishment for preaching Jesus doesn't mean that you should quit. It's actually a, shine, a sign that you should go harder, yeah. right? And so we find them recently arrested and beaten in verse 41 of chapter 5. Watch what it says. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. Let's stop right there. Does that sound weird? Like they were just arrested and beaten and they walk out rejoicing. Some ain't right. That's not how I was raised. That's not what was example to me. What was example to me when I was growing up is that if you suffered, you complained and told everybody you could about it so that maybe they would suffer with you. And then they quit coming around because they didn't want to suffer and you're suffering because they had their own suffering going on. They left the high council rejoicing. Why were they rejoicing? That God had counted them, here it is, worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. God counted them worthy. What? The title of my message is Worthy to Suffer. Are you worthy to suffer for Christ? Whew. Verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Even the whips couldn't shut them up. Even the bars couldn't shut them up. Even the threats couldn't shut them up. They didn't let anything shut them down. They were rejoicing because God let them be worthy to suffer for Jesus. They didn't suffer because of their own fleshly decisions. They suffered because they were advancing the gospel of Jesus. It was their passion to preach Jesus that got them in trouble. I say today, if you're going to get in trouble, get in some good trouble. Right? Like, like it's enough of getting in trouble for, for stupid stuff. Let's get in trouble for something that's going to echo in eternity. Right? <sighs> They're going to make me work today. 
It's all right, we're going to get it. It was their pushing the gospel forward that got them in trouble, not their fleshly desires or rages. It was their passion that got them in trouble. Hmm. Remember what suffering we're talking about today. We're not, we're not talking about the suffering that comes from eating too much, complaining too much, fussing too much, getting up in people's business too much. We're not talking about that kind of suffering. We're talking about suffering for preaching the gospel, suffering for telling people about Jesus. That's the kind of suffering we're talking about today because not all suffering is the same. So where does this kind of suffering come from? It has one source, but it's, it's activated or initiated, I believe, in two different ways. One, it's, it's Satan inflicted. Satan is the source of your suffering. He wants to kill you, steal you, and destroy you. That's all he wants. He never wants you to realize who you are in Christ. He don't want you to know that you're seated in heavenly places. He doesn't want you to know that you have authority because the minute you do, you live different. You act different. You talk different. You respond different. You think different. You feel different. He didn't want you to know that. So he's the, he's way it's Satan inflicted. So when you're saved and filled, he knows that you've become unstoppable and he's going to do everything he can to keep you from realizing that. And then the second way it comes is it's self-inflicted. But let me explain that because it's not just what you think it is. Self-inflicted means this. It means, yes, I inflict it on myself when I make decisions with my life to be set apart for Jesus and to leave this world. It's self-inflicted. It means when I change my calendar, my priorities, my resources, my time, my energy, my strength, my money, Come on, my emotional capacity. When I, when I shift all that to put Jesus first, I open myself up to suffering for Jesus. So it's self-inflicted. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's why many of us don't want to read our Bibles. Maybe that's why we don't want to pray. Maybe that's why we don't want to talk about our calendar. Maybe that's why we don't want to talk about our priorities. Maybe that's why we don't want to talk about where we spend our money first. Maybe that's why we don't want to talk about these things because if we talk about them, then we might have to do something about it. And if we do something about it, it might create some suffering and we don't want to suffer. I don't know, maybe. When these, these clowns come out from jail and getting a whooping, and they come out rejoicing. What's wrong with them? Because we must be right. Those guys are thrown off. Or maybe we are. Because <laughs> verse 41 says the apostles left the high council rejoicing. You know why they were rejoicing? Because God thought they were worthy to suffer. There's a big difference. There's a big difference from suffering because of some dumb decision I made versus suffering because I was preaching Jesus, doing all the right things in all the right places with all the right attitude and the right heart. And then I suffered. They go, hold up. God must have counted us worthy to suffer for Jesus. 
if you're going to suffer, how about we suffer right? How about we suffer for the right thing? When's the last time you got arrested for preaching Jesus? I'm not even going to ask you when you got whooped because most of us fold when somebody just even talks about us. Four thoughts on suffering that I want to share with you today. Number one, suffering is a higher calling. This kind of suffering is a higher calling. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, watch this. Jesus is talking. He says, God, his father, blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because of me. So like blessed are you when you get talked about because of me. So if I'm not getting in trouble for talking about Jesus, then am I really blessed? Because Jesus is teaching, this is, this is the teaching on the, called the Beatitudes. Like, this is the attitude you need to be with, right? It's the Beatitudes. This is the attitude you need to have, that you need to, you need to be glad when, when suffering comes your way. You need to be glad that people talk about you, glad that they lie about you and, do, and say all kind of evil things about you because of Jesus. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. You see, too many of us are suffering because of ourselves, and we're not suffering because of Jesus. We're suffering because we finally had enough and we did something out of flesh. Instead, we should be suffering for Jesus. I would say to you today, we need to be so busy suffering for Jesus that we ain't got time to suffer for ourselves. Like I can't even get in trouble anymore because I'm in trouble with Jesus all the time. Peter and John sat up underneath this teaching. They were there in the crowd when Jesus was teaching this lesson. Listen to verse 12. He says, be happy about it. Be very glad. Watch this. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Be happy about it. Oh God. Are you... We should almost be disappointed when we're not suffering for Jesus. Like there should be a deep conviction inside of us that says, you know what, I ain't been in trouble for Jesus in a while. I better tighten up. I must not be preaching nothing if I ain't getting in trouble. Come on. My God, somebody's got to start stirring the waters in this region. I believe God's calling us to stir the waters, to stir up a little bit of trouble for preaching Jesus. I mean, more of you are worried about getting fired for not taking a shot than you are about getting... So Peter and John set up underneath this teaching in Matthew chapter 5. 
And then in chapter 5 of Acts, they would have to lean on this, this teaching, which tells me this, that there needs to be a season where we sit and learn, right? A season of sitting and learning, right? But sitting and learning is not a full education. Standing and applying is a full education, Walking through it and applying what you learned is a full and complete education. Sitting and learning is not enough. I'm glad that we can sit and learn, but we got to stand up and walk too because then that's when the education gets finished. I'm going to show you, Peter, Peter runs through this whole message today. I'm going to wrap the whole thing up with Peter. You're going to see it. He sat with Jesus in Matthew. He walked it out in Acts, and then he teaches it. He learned it, he walked it, then he taught it. <sighs> so this is how we're really blessed. He blesses those who suffer for following Jesus. You might ought to write this down. Suffering proves your association with Jesus. It's proof that you're walking with Jesus. This kind of suffering is proof that you're one of Jesus's. Come on. It's proof. Where's your proof? Don't tell me about your proof. Show me your proof. Peter and John could pull off their cloak and say, look, bro, I'm with Jesus. They didn't get a tattoo. They got tattooed. <laughs> Y'all don't know what that means. Y'all didn't grow up in the hood. <laughs> tattooed is when somebody hits you and they left a mark. <laughs> there was no ink involved. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, watch this. Verse 3 and 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and that endurance develops strength of character, and that strength of character gives us our confident hope of salvation. <laughs> oh. Suffering has a higher calling. Suffering is doing something to you, and you go, yeah, I know, it's killing me. No, it's, well, yeah, it is killing you, but so that, that's what needs to die in you so that the rest of you can live. Like, like if you don't suffer, then you're not going to produce this kind of fruit. You see, as Christians, we've gotten too comfortable being comfortable. So we don't talk about Jesus. We don't ruffle the feathers. We don't stir the waters because we want to stay right here where I'm comfortable and I don't have to suffer. But the whole time you're falling under the trap of the enemy because the longer you sit in comfort, you don't grow. Because it don't feel good to grow. It don't feel good to grow. So we stay here. I don't want to suffer. You ain't never going to be like Jesus if you don't learn how to suffer. <laughs> oh, yeah. We want to have the power to heal dead frogs, but we don't want to walk in the character that Jesus gives us. <laughs> Great fruit comes from suffering. This kind of fruit comes from no other place than suffering. Listen to what Paul said. We, re we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Had some of them lately? Why? Because they help us develop endurance. How good are you at suffering? Can you suffer long or are you good for five minutes? <laughs> suffering is a high calling to make us more like Jesus. The fruit that comes from suffering, the character that comes 
from suffering is proof that we're with Jesus. I could care less if you wear a t-shirt that says OSC on the back. You know what I really want to see? I want to see your scars. I want to see your stripes. The ones you took for Jesus, not for you, the ones you took for Jesus. The ones you took because you decided to live different, act different, set a different standard in your household, not bow down to the worldly things anymore. You set yourself apart. You say, I don't belong to this world anymore. I'm seated in heavenly places. I have his authority. Those stripes. I don't care about your T-shirt. I love T-shirts. They're cool, but let me see your stripes. Because that tells me if you've been with Jesus or not. Oh, that's why I love to hear people's stories. Because you get to hear their suffering. And when you hear their stories, you kind of go, oh, I like you. Oh, yeah. Like me and you can hang out because look at my scar. We used to do it when we played peewee football. After the game, we count up how many bruises we had. Bro, how many you got? I got 34. Dude, I got 36. Because you made one up just to beat your buddy. Suffering is a higher calling. Number two, suffering is a revealer. Ooh. It's a revealer. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I love this portion of scripture, but I hate the last sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like the part where it says, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of his glory. I go, ooh, that just gives me the warm fuzzies right there. I'm just an heir of God's glory. Praise the Lord, Pastor Beans. I feel so good. Oh, so warm and snuggly. I get to partake in his glory. I hate the next verse. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. You know what's wrong with the church today? We want the glory without a side of suffering. We're treating God like he's Burger King. Give me all the goods, but none of the bads. Hold the bads, hold the suffering, hold the, hold the long things, hold the things that make me feel uncomfortable, hold the things that cause me stress, hold the things that make me anxious, hold the things that keep me up at night, hold the things that might actually produce fruit in my life, just hold those. I'll take all the good stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I like comfort too. So let's talk about glory for a minute. One way to understand glory is to realize that glory is described as weight. One of the descriptions of glory is weight. It's the weight of God's presence. It's one of the ways you describe glory. You ever wonder what glory means? It's the weight of God's presence in your life. Now this is important. Because if you have God's glory, then that means that God carries weight in your life. You see, God gets glorified when he develops weight in our lives and the lives of others. But it only happens when we move from a short one-time experience with God into something that, that has substance, mass, and real presence. It's like, it's like you got saved and that was great, but, but now is God going to get some weight in your life? Like is, does his word become more valuable than it ever was before? Or is it just that old book that the preacher thumps every once in a while to make you feel bad? 
Is it the book that the preachers are supposed to use and that you're not supposed to use? Do you put it on a coffee table when the preacher comes over? Is that what the book is? Or does it actually carry weight in your life? Like, does it words mean something to you? Do you feel a deep conviction when you do something opposite of this? Do you feel the great blessing when you do what this says? Does it carry weight in you? Does God carry weight in you? Do you ever think about breaking God's heart? Do you ever think about how he feels about what you're doing or saying or acting or getting involved in? How much weight does he carry in your life? Do you know that he's there? God's looking for some sellouts, y'all. <laughs> some sellouts. Like I'm selling out to Jesus and nothing else. He's looking for some people that he can put the weight of his presence in that can carry the presence of God wherever they go. Walmart needs the presence of God. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Even the dollar store. <laughs> but God's looking for people that he can put some weight in. So let me ask you a question. Is God heavy to you? Is God heavy to you? Does walking with God get heavy sometimes? Does your decisions have consequences? Oh, does every decision you make have a consequence or do you just get to fulfill the flesh? Let's sign Johnny up for T-ball. Does that, does that have a consequence? Yeah, it has a consequence. You can't get in a life group. You can't do life with nobody else because Johnny's playing T-ball and he ain't going professional. He's not going to the... the, the N N B L what is it? MLB. <laughs> he might get an NBA, but he <laughs> is, this, is this helping? <laughs> is God heavy? Look at your neighbor and say, Is God heavy? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. He says, Watch this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Here it is. So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Sometimes people will never see Jesus till they see you suffer. Didn't think about that, did you? Sometimes the only way they ever get the gospel is by watching you walk through something because you stood up for Christ. Because you see, how we suffer reveals God's weight in our lives. How well do you suffer? In fact, I'll say it this way. Your willingness to suffer for him reveals how much weight God carries in your life. Are you even willing to suffer? You know what it looks like when you're willing to suffer is when you start believing God for your workplace. God, I'm believing every one of them couillons is saved. Yeah. Your hobby group, I'm believing that they're saved. How are they going to get saved? I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to preach Jesus till they leave or they get saved, one or the other. You don't like your job? Preach your way out of it. That's a new revelation. 
Your willingness to suffer for Jesus will affect your prayer life. You won't believe for something if you ain't willing to suffer for it. Ah. I got so much stuff running through my head right now. You may need some interpretation. So if you're afraid to preach Jesus, what does that say about your willingness to suffer? And what does that say about your, what does that say about how much weight God carries in your life? How valuable is God to you? Is he just your salvation? Number three, suffering makes God real. Let's pick up with Stephen real quick. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 and 56. Stephen was serving tables. God was moving through him. He was performing signs, miracles, and wonders. He was preaching the gospel. He was just serving tables, and he was preaching the gospel, and then he gets in trouble. Let's talk about what what made Stephen great real quick before we get into this. The first thing that made Stephen great is he joined the dream team. He was chosen to serve tables. Seriously, Stephen was on the dream team. Yep. He would have been on the setup teardown team, and he'd have been on the meal ministry team. No kidding. Read it. He he was on the dream team. Just a regular old guy, but the Bible says he was full of it. You want to know what he was full of? He was full of faith, Holy Spirit, grace, and power is what the Bible says. He preached his way through his suffering, and he was most like Christ when he took his last words, or he gave his last words. Watch it in verse 54 and 56 of chapter 7. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, here it is, gazed steadily into heaven and then he saw something. He saw something he had never seen before. You see, when you suffer, you get to see stuff you never saw before. God, did you get that? He saw the glory of God, number one. He saw Jesus standing, number two. And where Jesus was standing in the place of honor was at God's right hand, number three. He saw God. Stephen, in the middle of his suffering, see God, he sees God's glory. He sees Jesus standing when the Bible tells us that he's sitting You doing something to make Jesus stand up? Standing, then he sees God. If he never suffers, he never sees God. So he sees that, and in verse 56, he says, and he told them, he told the crowd, look, like they could see it. Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Wow. Well, I bet some of you are feeling bad about complaining right now, huh? That little bit of suffering you've been doing, it almost took you out. You're going, yikes. Well, like John said, there's no condemnation. God's patient. (laughs) He's (laughs) long-suffering. How do you know, Pastor? He's been suffering with me for a while. (laughs) Don't say amen. I heard you, Lisa. 
<laughs> she caught the Holy Ghost when I said that. <laughs> in the middle of his suffering, he sees something he had never seen before. He saw the glory, he saw Jesus, and he saw God. The Lord became more real than ever while Stephen was suffering. He gets to see something. I want you to think about this. He gets to see something that Moses didn't even get to really see. And he was just on the dream team. Just a volunteer at the church, had him an OSC shirt. Says, I'm made for this. Preaching Jesus everywhere he went. Golly, that's us. Amen, that's us. That's us. Preachers in America can't change America. Sheep change America. God's people change America. Amen? You change America. First you change Eunice and Basile and all this area. We change. So join the dream team. <laughs> and preach Jesus. If you want to be like Stephen. So in Stephen's suffering, he sees God more real than he's ever saw God before in his life. If that ain't enough to get you excited about the next time you suffer for Jesus, I don't know what will. He saw God. But that's not all. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Saul would later become the great apostle Paul. Saul had quite an experience himself, right? You remember Jesus knocked him off of his horse and blinded him for three days, put him in a building all by himself for three days, and then sent one of his, his, his apostles to go and, and, and restore him, and then Saul became Paul and wrote most of the New Testament. That guy... That guy, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was watching and giving approval to them stoning Stephen. By the way, Stephen's saying all that as they're throwing stones at him. And Paul is there, and he hears Stephen, and he sees Stephen, and he feels the moment where Stephen's going, I see heaven open, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Can y'all see it? Who's there? Saul's there. Saul's witnessing Stephen's suffering for Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can't be in a moment like that with Stephen where he's giving literally his life for Jesus and not be affected. I truly believe in my heart that Saul never becomes Paul if he never witnesses Stephen. So can I tell you that your suffering is not all about you? But the enemy wants you to feel that way. Oh, it hurts me and it's so sad for me. I'm so disappointed in this and I never get what I want and I don't I have to get in trouble. Why me? Me, 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 me. What if it's not about you? Or what if it's not only for you? When all hell breaks loose against you because you're preaching Jesus, you got to know God put a crowd there to watch it. 
because he's going to preach through your suffering. He's going to preach through your struggle. That's why your testimony is so important. That's why he wants to take it away from you. That's why Revelation says, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Mm -hmm. You never know who's watching you suffer. Just trust that if God's got you suffering for Jesus, if he counted you worthy to suffer for Jesus, he's got people watching that need to see your suffering. And it's going to mess them up. <laughs> Say, but man, I don't like to suffer. It takes too long. Let me read you something real quick from Daniel. I just, I just wanted to add this in. Daniel chapter 10. You know, Daniel was from the, the nation of Israel. He was one of God's chosen people. He was in captivity, but he was a man of God. Even in his crisis, he was still a man of God. And he'd been praying and, and fasting and humbling himself before the Lord. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Just reference it. You can go read it later. It says, then he said, this angel appears to him and said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven since the day you first said it. I don't know who that's for, but somebody needs to know as soon as you say it, he hears it. I have come and answered to your prayer. Watch this. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Stephen was crying out for God. He humbled himself, set himself apart for God, and he was waiting for 21 days. He was waiting for God to answer. And the angel showed up and said, we heard you the first time, bro, but it took a little something to get here. Boy, that should put a little bit of weight on God's purpose for your life. That should help you see that you're not just somebody born in some city somewheres to some people. That you were actually created, handcrafted by God's hands with a purpose and an assignment to do his exploits. Because he hears you the first time you cry out. Just hang in there. Don't give up. Don't run away. Because he might show up where you were at and you're not there. <laughs> All right. Number four, suffering is not punishment. This may be the most important thing I say today. Suffering is not punishment. You got to understand this because some of you or many of you have taken bold steps for Christ. You've sat in a service like this, the spirit of God's been on you and you've made declarations to God, you've prayed prayers and said things to God, made promises to God and then you actually stepped out on it. Some of you actually took some steps, reorganized your life, reprioritized your life and you took some steps but as soon as you did, you started to face some resistance and because the enemy's got you convinced that that's punishment, you thought you were in trouble so you went back to where you came from. So instead of staying where God wants you to stay and being who God wants you to be, you went back to Egypt, Israel. Because it got a little bit uncomfortable, you wanted to go back to Egypt because Egypt was familiar. Because you learned how to find comfort in slavery. Slavery. 
I'm just came today to tell you, if you're going to step out, step out and don't step back. Like you need to understand, God didn't give you a reverse. He just gave you forward. God didn't build you, we quit in you. Resistance should be expected as part of following Jesus. I mean, seriously, the day you got saved, a bullseye was planted on your back. You went from a friend of the enemy to a friend of God. You went from an enemy of God to a friend of God. You think he's not upset about that? You changed teams. You went from being a loser to a winner. Come on, somebody. Just because you're suffering doesn't mean that it's punishment. Oh, I know what them old people used to tell you. Oh, yeah. Go to bed. The devil going to pull your toes. You don't say your prayers. God's not going to help you. They think it's cute and it's funny and it's old Cajun tales, but it's lies from the pit of hell that gets planted in your brain and then it becomes a part of your life and then you live under that mindset that anytime I face resistance, I must be in trouble. Can I just tell you that God's in the business of correcting people long before he punishes people? That one of his characteristics is long-suffering and endurance, and God is telling you if something's wrong, can you just trust that if you're doing something wrong, God will tell you before he strikes you? Because if he would have struck you, you wouldn't be here today. God told me that when I came to pastor a church. I didn't go to seminary. I went to work. I poured concrete for a living. I started just studying my Bible, poured concrete, did dirt work, and then God said, go into ministry. I'm like, okay. I go into ministry, I kind of have a little insecure moment. I'm like, oh, God, what, was, what if I, I ain't, I ain't been taught how to preach. I mean, y'all, y'all had, some of y'all had to endure my growth. <laughs> some of you are blessed because of other people's endurance. <laughs> just saying. But I was like, God, well, what if I do something wrong? And I got freaked out. Like, what if I do something wrong? What if I mess people up? And this is what he told me. He said, if you do something wrong, just trust me. I'll tell you. So if you don't hear from me, that means you're doing something right. I'm like, oh, wow. So like unless in my quiet time, God's saying, you, need to, you really need to quit doing this. I'm just going to keep on going. Causing trouble everywhere I go. For Jesus. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> just, just to clarify. Does that make sense? Does that help? So every time you face resistance, you're not in trouble. In fact, it's proof that you're with Jesus. Wow. Listen to what Peter, so come full circle with Peter. He learned it, he lived it, and now he's teaching it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Watch what Peter says. Listen to his passion behind this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. What? As if something strange were happening to you, meaning we should be familiar with suffering. <laughs> Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. 
for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Verse 15, got to pay attention to this one. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's business. I just twisted it up a little bit, but it says the same thing. Can I read that again? If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's business. <laughs> but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment. It must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? Verse 19. Here it is. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, here's the words. Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. I want you to catch this real quick. Peter can never say these words if he never gets imprisoned and beaten. He sat and learned it. He walked and applied it and his education on it was complete and now he can turn and teach it. Listen to what he says. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. That's what it says in Acts chapter five when it says right after they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer, they went out and they kept on preaching. They kept on doing what was right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Say that with me. He will never fail me. So how do we suffer well? Seven quick points. There's only six in your notes. You'll have to write the seventh one. I added some. I've been sitting on this message for two weeks. How do we suffer well? Number one, know that you're not suffering alone. You're not suffering alone. Jesus may be standing in the middle of your suffering. That's how close he pays attention. Number two, God places us in family to come alongside as we suffer. <laughs> Peter had John and John had Peter. Come on, and when they got out of jail, they had the rest of them, right? They had spiritual family. Number three, he has plans and purpose for your suffering. There's a plan and a purpose for you and a plan and a purpose for others. Number four, when suffering comes, press into him and stay the course. Because most of the time when trouble comes, we usually walk back, quit, hide, and cower under the pressure. Don't do that. That's what you naturally feel like doing. Do, what, do the opposite of what you naturally feel like doing. When trouble comes and you feel like just going into a dark closet and crying your eyes out and boohooing everybody you know, don't do that. Press into Jesus and keep going and don't stop and you'll actually get through the suffering faster than if you sit back and cry. Number five, remember this is part of your story. 
<laughs> By the way, he's not finished writing it. If you're still breathing, he's still writing. Number six, you got to remember that others are watching. There's always a crowd. And you don't have to be perfect. Persistence is all you need to be. And then number seven, when suffering comes, increase the communication with God. Don't decrease. I've, I've recently seen how the enemy works in a way that I've not always known in the past. A lot of times, one of the ways you know the enemy's working on you is when he takes something from you. I was recently visiting with a friend of mine and, and they were sharing with me some of their struggles and I, so I prayed for them. And, I, and as I'm praying for them, the Lord said, pray in tongues. And so I prayed in tongues over them and I said, and I just prayed in tongues. I said, do you mind if I pray in, in the spirit? He said, no. So I started praying in the spirit and the Holy Spirit said this. He said, tell them to pray in the spirit. So I said, do you pray in the spirit? And they said, yes. I said, well, then start praying. And the minute they started praying, I felt the floodgates of heaven open up and just come out. Boom. And they started praying and it was powerful. And then they stopped. And I said, why did you stop? Don't stop, keep going, keep going. And they started praying again, and boy, you felt it again. And then when it was all said and done, we sat back, and I looked at them, and I said, I said, boy, that was good. And their whole countenance had changed. And they were like, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. How long had it been since you prayed in tongues? And they were honest, and they said, summers in Texas and my cousins would always pick on me until I got bigger than them. <laughs> but they would pick on me and they would take me down this, this dirt road. We'd ride bicycles to go to the store to get some candy because they knew they'd get me to the store for candy. And, and so we'd ride bicycles, but they'd make me go the back way because on the back road was a dog that liked to chase kids. And I was scared. And so we would paddle and the first time, it scared the death out. I mean, the life out of me. I was scared. I almost fell off my bike, and, and, and I survived. But then we had to come back, and I was like, can we go another way? And they're like, no, bro, this is the only way home. Which I should have known better, but I, I didn't. So coming back, and I passed by that dog again, he scared me again. The next day, they said, let's go get some more candy. And I'm like, oh, why do I love candy so much? <laughs> and so we went back, and the dog chased me again. I'm like, oh! mad because I was tired of being afraid. So I knew we had to go back. So I just, I want to go back. And we're going 
going back and I'm paddling and here comes the dog again. And I got off my bike, I threw the dog the bike down and said, shut up, leave me alone. And the dog went, come on, That's what we do when the enemy comes after you. You throw your bike down. You get up in his business and you tell him where he needs to go. The Bible says if you resist him, he'll flee from you. But if you tolerate him, he'll camp out with you. We're going to suffer as Christians. Suffering is your proof that you belong to Jesus. Don't be afraid to suffer. In fact, tell Jesus to light you up so bright that you suffer everywhere you go. And I want to release you today to get in trouble. I'm serious. This is your assignment. Go into the world, go into Eunice, go into your job, go into the grocery store, and cause some trouble. I want to be known as the church of troublemakers. I'm dead serious. Go preach Jesus to everybody has got a heartbeat. Till they throw you out the store or they run you out the business, whatever it is. Go stir up some trouble. Because nobody grows when everything's comfortable. Give us the passion of fire.